But in that minute, there's a split second where you can see Maybelle give Corny that look that says, all right, sir, what are you, what are you trying to do? What, what's, what's going on? <laughs> Guys, when I tell you that I live, I live for that half a second of footage. that whoa that was loud sorry hello lovers and welcome back to starring cupid the podcast that honors the daydreams of hopeless romantic cinephiles everywhere i am your host zomadotics nothing more nothing less from the east not the west most dangerous triple threat howdy lovers how y'all doing how do you do how's it going personally <laughs> i feel like i ask you guys how you're doing and then i immediately launch into my own painful life but personally i am extremely tired i'm so 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 tired and not just today ask me any day of the week and i'll probably be the most exhausted person in Southie. like i'm so exhausted i'm so exhausted i had to push back the release of this episode and y'all know if i have the means to i want to upload as soon as possible so it it takes a lot for me to push back releases but there is a reason there is a reason um for any of the lovers that do not follow us on twitter which by the way you should fix like asap because you know you don't want to be left in the dark hashtag not not as calm like you need to stay updated lovers can't miss out on big news like this but yes for those of you that do not follow us on twitter i have recently been employed like i have a job a job okay a part-time job let me not make it seem like i'm in corporate or whatever but i have a part-time job now and you know it's great absolutely grateful for income absolutely grateful for a job that i like but it it requires a lot of random days for me like i'm not i'm not sure what day i'll be off i'm not sure what day i'll be working and it's still very early days as well so i can't really schedule my life around my shifts it's basically it's taking a lot of time to adjust for me and on top of that i have this ambitious idea that when i come home i'll have the strength to keep going you know maybe push out an episode do some research that i'd lead down honestly i get home and i just want a cup of tea and i want to rest that's that's all i ever want out of this like I don't know what superwoman strength I thought I was going to conjure when I became a working woman because like I'm usually a very tired person. But you know, lovers, life is adjusting. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out this whole scheduling thing. I'm going to figure out this whole routine thing. There's no hurdle I've yet to overcome. So, do not worry about me, darling. Ha ha ha. I'll I'll be okay. 
I was really adamant about doing this episode though because I've been I've been planning to talk about this person ever since I started the spotlight series like the spotlight series yes like I said it was to honor my faves in the rom-com space to honor actors that have really influenced my watching really impacted um my cinephileness under the genre the things that they have done for the genre for anyone that missed out on our first edition of the series which honored my icon miss sandra bullock you know that's what this whole thing is is here for we just want to appreciate these thespians for the mark that they have made in the rom-com world you know actors that have made me fall in love time and time again with their work ethic and their role choices all of that jazz and today's subject is no exception to the rule lovers today i will be looking at the work of the amazing the multi-talented icon that is miss dana owens aka queen latifah <sighs> what a woman what a thespian what an entertainer i i love her i love her so much i have been a massive fan of this woman since since forever actually uh she is my real life queen like that's that's the lady that i i bow to you know my fictional queen is the queen of genovia charlotte and hathaway doing great work over there but that is a discussion and a story for another day but now we are focusing on this queen my real life queen love her to bits oh what what can i say about her like queen latifah is so great at whatever she does she's on an exclusive list of mcs that have transcended hip-hop to dominate in other fields you know she was the first female rapper to host and perform same night on snl which i felt like was already its own monumental moment and it has inspired kind of the next generation of rappers because megan the stallion became the second female rapper to do such like just last week and miss queen latifah is very open to like supporting the newer generation she's always down to root for the girls that are coming up right now because that's that's just who she is she's this lovely lovely figure of hip-hop that has now become this <sighs> guys she's so good at her at movies and and being acting she's she's so good like on top of having a very successful musical career she has dominated the screen for about 20 years now still going also that that legacy hasn't even stopped yet and she's not only acting she's singing in musicals dominating stages like she uh work working woman booked and busy she's been in huge projects such as chicago bessie set it off living single hairspray the ice age franchise 
the equalizer hollywood hustle and most recently her netflix movie alongside ludicrous end of the road i don't know how often or how differently i can phrase it i absolutely love this woman i'm going to keep saying it throughout the episode but i just i need you to know that at the core of this wall i absolutely love this woman i feel like it can be so difficult for artists to enter a different medium and be well well received like she started acting back in some 1990 late 80s type times and she really she knocked it out the park from the jump like she she did great there's a whole generation of kids that won't even remember that she started off in music they'll just know her as this lovely actress like guys she's an academy award nominated actress like that's on the same plane as will smith like that's huge she's big she's a big deal beyond me just being obsessed with her she's a big deal now starring cupid has already covered one of her films if you remember we did just right and there was a time when we had the hairspray episode where we partially mentioned her you know as part of the supporting cast but those keep those in mind keep those movies in mind but we won't dive too deep into those projects because you know anything that i want to say now i've probably said about them already in those episodes and it'll just be redundant today we will be looking at three of the many 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 films in her discography i will be mainly looking at the last holiday brown sugar and set it off you know varied choices for this very versatile artist i wanted to kind of cover the bases of what her career has looked like what her discography has um did i say discography yeah i'm sorry i i'm gonna mix up musical and acting terms her filmography what her filmography has looked like over the years you'll note that unlike the sandra bullock episodes these movies are not in chronological okay let's try that again these movies are not in chronological order um don't worry about that don't worry about that darling i have a plan in mind i have a line of of argument to follow the structures like that for a reason i'm not promising that this won't turn into a very gay rant about why she's the love of my life i'm also not promising that this won't turn into political discourse about how fat black women are treated on screen and how queen latifah has rejected most of those labels no promises none whatsoever i do promise that this is going to be a good time if you are a fanatic like i am Let's, you know, let's just celebrate our queen, celebrate our monarch, because, yeah, there's a lot to get through with this woman. So let's get right into it. Here she is, our second spotlight honoree, the queen. First up, we are looking at The Last Holiday, which was made in 2006. This film was directed by Wayne Wang and written by Jeffrey Price, P. 
Peter S. Seaman, and J.B. Presley. Miss Latifa, of course, acts as our lead, Ms. Georgia Bird. Bird with a Y. This film is a Hollywood favorite of mine. Like I I would watch it annually around Christmas time if I if I could. And I love it because it it showcases one of the best things about Queen Latifah's work. She is a leading lady like to the T. Her love interest in this film is Sean who's portrayed by LL Cool J, another famous rapper slash thespian who has done very well for himself in the game. Um, Georgia has a major secret crush on Sean and she basically she struggles to share it with him or like even just talk to him really. And the whole idea behind her struggles in life is that she never puts herself out there like she's not a coward but you know a coward <laughs> and after getting a very bogus terminal diagnosis she decides to you know yell yolo into the wind sell sell all of her stuff and enjoy her quote-unquote last holiday in a fancy hotel in the czech republic like that's that's the basis of the story it's a very rom-com plot most of the film focuses on georgia living her life to the fullest which somehow upsets a bunch of nosy white people I, there's really no exp- better explanation for that that's that's what happened my girl was chilling in this hotel she was minding her business being nice to the people living her life like it's golden fully believing that she might die by the end of the week not telling anybody this though because she didn't want any pity i'm sorry it's very funny because now that when you as the audience that knows that she's not actually gonna die it's very funny but she was like no i'm not gonna tell anybody i don't want anyone to pity me i'm just gonna you know live this life like it's my last because she thought she really thought and that was her entire plan that's all that she did and somehow it had the white people at that hotel curious about how a carefree black woman like her could afford to be here like imagine pocket watching so hard when someone is bringing business to your door anyway i love this movie for her because she georgia has the best possible version of main character syndrome in this like she's just focused on her she's just thinking about her she's she's thinking about enjoyment she she's the moment and on top of that it's not like she's cruel or evil or anything like that she is such a lovely person her positive vibes and fun energy like they rub off on everyone around her they they entice people they catch the eyes of Giancarlo Esposito side note absolutely unrelated to anything but also a little bit related I'm very scared of that man Mr. Giancarlo when he's in a tv show like they they tend to make him the most like evil person in the room even in community they made him very scary but any other time any other day of the week he is so devilishly handsome I'm like ah my goodness I, I, I gasp I clutch my pearls 
I'm I love him. I love his work, but I digress. This film highlights a great fixture in most of Queen Ativa's movies. The characters she has played have this kind of focused mission and they have like this tunnel vision towards this mission that exists outside of their love interests. In Just Right, which was released in 2010, we are obviously here because she gets the chance to be the physiotherapist for one of her favorite basketball players. So her mission and her goals are attached to him, but not in the romantic sense. They're not even really about him. This is just like a career milestone for her. It's a huge chance for her in her profession. And the love story it's all by chance like they fall in love by chance through the very unique circumstances and that falling in love happens through all the basic ways that we as people form attraction you know spending time together shared interests proximity etc etc but her goals were always on her mind her goals her her immediate thing here her immediate mission here was that she has to get scott mcknight back on the court almost hit the field and then i remembered basketball that was her thing in taxi which was released in 2004 and is one of my absolute favorite movies like guys i could recite taxi sometimes i love it in taxi she is um running around new york city she you know just trying to fight fight crime with jimmy fallon and that's her main focus. Her main focus is finding the women behind these robberies and bringing them to justice and also getting her car back. Meanwhile, when she's doing all of this, she has the gorgeous Henry Simmons waiting for her at home, always ready to just like be a supportive partner towards her, support her dreams and ambitions and her goals. And, you know, that's the common thread here. The men that are cast as her love interests in these movies they are willing to do the absolute most most for her like they are at her feet worshiping her or like loving her just just because no there's no caveats to it they they love her just because if you look back to our subject movie yes she didn't really have the courage to tell Sean how she feels but it's evident that Sean has strong feelings for her because when he discovers that Georgia was misdiagnosed, he races. I say races like he didn't take a plane, but he races halfway across the world just to tell her. Like, that's not a man that doesn't feel anything for you. He could have called, he could have texted. Can you wait? Could you have texted in 2006? I'm sorry, I'm showing my age. But <laughs> he. There were other easier ways, but he was like, nah, I have to go and tell her. And he didn't stop there. Like, he fights snow and ice to reach this woman. He scales the side of the hotel building just to tell her all of this. And I love that. Like, that right there is devotion. It is very clear, very intentional, very determined devotion. And Sean isn't even a huge part of this movie like that. I think he's on screen for maybe a quarter of the film, maybe a third. I wasn't really tracking time like that. But all that time that he is on our screen is dedicated to worshipping at George's feet, 
or being absolutely lovely to her at work and stuff like that like he never he never shows that he's not interested in her and all he shows is that he is in love with her any other time maybe you know wishful thinking had georgia been courageous in the beginning then maybe their love story could have started a bit sooner but it's very clear that this man has always felt this way about her and i think that's the overarching message of this movie that that idea that you can live the life that you want right now if you take that leap of faith right and these are the roles that i love so much for my queen like and on this podcast and in general when i talk to people because if you think i'm insufferable when there's this mic rolling imagine how insufferable i am when i'm just having casual conversations with people around me but on this pod in real life i'm constantly complaining about how there doesn't seem to be enough movies out there where black women are receiving the warmest and most genuine love and when i say that i mean there's no struggle backstory there's no tragic life obstacles and there's no like just settling for whatever is there like there's there's no movie where it's just straight up romantic intentional and caring love from the beginning there's nothing that georgia had to do first to get short it's not like he heard she was dying and then he felt bad and then he was like oh maybe i should you know give her a shot to ride this ride he cared for her immediately he cared for her even before this whole fiasco started and it's because her personality the very same personality that charmed everyone that met her in that hotel her personality and who she is as a person is all it took for him to be smitten i hate using that word because it sounds like it's the 1960s but yeah that's all it took i must confess that my heart melted into a puddle at the end of the movie when she opens her restaurant and she has sean right there beside her like cheering her on supporting her through it all like it's not a movie that requires crying or like merits crying but i could have cried right there that that was enough to sway me and i just i'm glad that queen latifah has gotten these roles in her career and i want them to stretch over to everybody you know like i want more soft funny roles for black women please like oh my goodness guys nicole bear deserves a rom-com where she leads and kind of like the same breath where she's just being loved earnestly and intentionally with no caveats there's oof if i start listing women that should be in roles like this it's gonna take forever but back to our queen yes i love that she is for me as a kid when i was watching these movies she became the face of rom-coms like this for me i would love to see the same format in a queer story for her you know because you know but i'll get i'll get more into that later on in the episode that's still coming for now we celebrate her impactful work even when she isn't necessarily the star of the show
We move on to Brown Sugar, which was made in 2002. This movie was directed by Rick Famayiwa, who also did the screenplay alongside Michael Elliott. We know this movie as, you know, black people. We love this movie and it's popular for a lot of reasons. Most notably, that speech that Tay Diggs' character gives when he finds his wife having dinner with somebody else. Wow, the we're having a divorce <laughs> i i see that clip on twitter like every six months like there's always there's always an occasion for that clip someone just keeps it in their bookmarks waiting for their time and beyond that it's a really lovely film i i, I would call it a comfort film if i had access to it readily but it's it's great it's i credit it as one of the great black rom-coms of our time but in general i think it's a very lovely friends to lovers rom-com across the board like anyone would love it anyone would appreciate it it's great however it's a highlight in this episode for miss latifah's work as sid who is played by sana lathan she play she plays son sid's cousin francine why am I saying it like I'm saying France? Francine? I don't want to say it like an American because y'all be saying your A's very, very funny. And <laughs> maybe maybe it's the colonial impact, but it bothers me so much. But yes, Francine is... She's lovely. Even though she's technically family, I feel like she represents the quintessential best friend to the lead type character she's hilarious she has the ambitions or the bravery that sid lacks and she's always ready to help her out in any situation it's funny how the best friends are always the ones that are braver than you are like you will personally be biting your nails and freaking out about how to deal with a crush and your best friend will be right there next to you telling you do something about it you coward you know, not in those exact words, but with that exact energy. Maybe with those exact words. You know, best friends, they be they be saying stuff. But that's Francine for us. And she keeps that energy up from the beginning of the story throughout Dre's marriage to Reese. And until their inevitable union at the end. Like she's always championing champ woo. She's always supporting this idea that Sid should just tell him. And that's one of the marvels of Queen Latifah. As much as she's a leading lady and she can lead the hell out of a role, I think that she's just as great in a supportive role. And not many people can do that. Like, not many people can not be the star of the show but still shine in, in their place. You know what I'm saying? Some of her finest work is as... Matron Mama Morton in Chicago, which was released in 2002 and which earned her the Academy Award nomination. And also Motor Mouth Maybell in Hairspray, which was released in 2007. These are both projects that were huge, humongous, and my girl got 
big solo musical numbers with each character that kind of stamped her name on the project like she's supporting but she's gonna show up and she's gonna do the damn things but in that supporting role on top of she's not stealing the show per se and all of this the leads are still the leads the main characters are still the main characters she's just gonna help them along their journey to the goals at the end of the show but she'll never fall into the background like you will not forget that she is there i think of like mama morton who is a whole figure like she is a presence in chicago like you cannot have the story without her and she shows up throughout the story and it's not just because like she controls the whole prison with her what i would like to call manipulative grace she has stage presence she has stage presence and she has a personality that makes you remember who she is her performance though of be good to mama that's all <sighs> it's not suitable for work for me to, to talk about it but it worked quite well on me i was i was absolutely convinced i was absolutely marveled at her work and at her at her talent and i think that my matron morton she's kind of like the engine to valma kelly in her prison era like she's the not so much an accomplice not so much the boss of but you know she's there and she's the wind beneath her wings she never falls into the background and then there's murder mouth may bell who was just perfect throughout the movie and she works perfectly alongside corny collins while they're both trying to propel tracy and the gang to integrate television i mean maybell did way more work than corny collins corny just got really mad when the executives were like we will not let black kids dance on stage and he was like um that's evil of you guys and then he moved away maybell was in the streets you know marching saying it doing the work <laughs> but that's not what this is about that's not that's not what this is about I look at um, supporting roles like that where she dominates, she does great, she does lovely. And I think that the only difference between those two characters and Francine is that her support does not come with romantic interests. Like they fulfill their role, they help the protagonist move forward. Nothing of romance happens to them at all. However... <laughs> There's a moment in Hairspray when they're singing You Can't Stop the Beat right at the end. Lovely song. There's a moment where Maybelle and Corny are standing at that booth where they usually stand when they host the show. And they're dancing, you know, they're singing along, having a good time. <laughs> my, my voice got so high. Let me just, let me control myself. I'm so sorry. They're dancing, right? And corny collins was dancing really close and personal with maybell it's a moment that happens for i bet you a minute a whole minute i think is spent on that one moment but in that minute there's a split second where you can see maybell give corny that look that says all right sir what are you, what are you trying to do what, what's, what's going on <laughs> Guys, when I tell you that I live, I live for that half a second of footage. 
it made me beg for a post credit scene with her and James Marsden heading out for like an after work drink that proceeds to actually mm, let me let me stop talking right there I'm gonna I'm save all of this energy and all this imagination for the fanfic but yes back to my point her supportive roles her supportive roles seem to come with the condition that nothing vaguely romantic happens to her i also assume that this has to do with the fat best friend trope you know we have the best friend trope exists in most of rom-coms and then there's the fat best friend trope which also exists in a lot of rom-coms i want to i want to say plus size so that you guys won't fight me but like that's a, it's so annoying because they mean the same thing it's just that fat has very terrible connotations which is a result of fat phobia in itself but yeah queen latifah is a fat woman or if you want to get technical she's a very tall woman that is really thick but I'm sure we're around the same size range. So I would like to say that she's also a fat woman. Like sh- Shape likes to become a factor when people are trying to discount other fat people. But it's more than that, you know. But anyway, Hollywood costs her as a fat woman. So I'm going to continue with my line of thinking. When the best friend character is not skinny, you see... You see a lot of comedy and a lot of ridicule at their expense. Like the writers can't find anything else to make funny. So they have to turn to this fat person to like kind of make something up. Or maybe this character is perpetually... Why can't I speak today? They are perpetually horny and absolutely ignored by every romantic prospect around them. Therefore, kind of reminding the people that, hey, no one wants this person. And it's it's not just an isolated issue. It feels like Hollywood wants fat people to always know and always be reminded of, of the fact that they are viewed as undesirable in the world. Which is so cruel, but it's not it's not only in the movies. Like it happens in real life interactions, too. And there seems to be this thing online where when I, when undesirable people, more specifically women, when they are talking about these experiences and talking about these things, people do not allow them to speak about them or worse, they, they gaslight them by saying, oh, boohoo, this isn't important. And I think the worst thing is now men are comparing us to incels. They're like, oh, this is the line of thinking or the line of... The line of argument that incels give that like no one wants them. Of which, mm, <laughs> lots, lots to be said on this. Firstly, these people aren't focused, the people that are gaslighting us, the people that are telling us to shut up. They're not focusing on how this, the sidelining and how this treatment is happening in real life. Secondly, y'all are not gonna make it seem like I. You're not gonna. You're not gonna equate us to insults. We are complaining. Yes, we are fed up. Yes, are we being weird? No, you will. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you guys can call me a lot of things. You're not gonna call me a female insult. 
<laughs> but yes, I think we should focus on how exactly this treatment is happening. It's not just that we're being sideswept on Tinder or like people don't want to go on, on dates with us. It's not just that. It's people literally ignoring our physical presence in the room so that they can chat up our hot friend right next to us. Even online, there was for a long time, I'll speak for South African Twitter. I don't remember it happening in other countries, but I'm, I'm also, I'm sure it does happen. But for a long time on Twitter, it was immediately assumed that the fattest friend in the group was the gatekeeper of the friendship group and people would say things like oh you guys tell your friends not to talk to us or oh you guys cock block us because no one wants you <laughs> listen i've i've unfortunately been on the internet for a very long time and i've been on the i've been the designated fat friend for even longer time i've heard and seen the most obscene shit ever with this type of stuff there's if there was an episode where i could talk about it i would i would dive right in but that's that's not why we're here i'm just bringing this up to make a point all of these things considered francine is a blessing in these guys because i feel like she gets to be both she gets to be yes a fat best friend but also absolutely desired at the same time. We have Kev, who is portrayed by Most Deaf. And he works with Dre, but he also works as a best friend character to Dre. And Kev finds himself captivated by our friend scene. And their story, the two of them, kind of unfolds like the best friends in When Harry Met Sally. They see each other often because their best friends are best friends and they always get that plus one invite to everything. So they're, they're going to bump into each other sooner or later. Their story progresses a little bit faster than the main couple, but it's not that Francine immediately liked Cav. I think they actually butt heads at first or maybe she like she just wasn't feeling them like that. And I get it, you know, that apprehension you have when you go with your girl to a thing and she has a friend there and that friend has his own friend. So it's kind of people playing matchmaker with y'all. It, it feels like an adult play date. Oh, oh, wait, <laughs> wait, that sounds incorrect. Um, it's like an unplanned blind date. There we go. <laughs> One that you had no knowledge of at all and you weren't even really in the mood for it to begin with. So like, I think that's where the apprehension stems from but you know over time they keep seeing each other they keep they keep bumping into each other the walls come down and all of a sudden they're an item we obviously don't know the greater detail of it because they're not our main couple but you know they're just they just wake up one day and here they are together and it works it works so well cab does play the charming creative artist role very well um and francine's attitude it melts away and she kind of brings this joy and light into his life but it's just another case of just loving on a black woman 
no caveats, no conditions. These secondary characters, or secondary couples, rather, they are usually meant to show us as an audience what would happen if our main couple just got over all of the things that they think are a big deal and they just got together and they got it over and done with. And so I like Francine and Kev for that, but I also like the fact that they fulfill their function as a story as a story tool plus they give us a very cute and organic love story to nibble on while we wait for our mains to wake up to each other you know and that's part of queen latifah's star power like she shines under any light you put her in big roles small roles supporting roles she she'll make the most of it and Across her filmography, there's a whole bunch of supporting roles that she's had in comedic movies, romantic movies, dramatic movies. And no matter what it is, no matter the situation, I will always stop to admire her and acknowledge the work that she's doing. Is it maybe the massive lifelong crush that I have on her? Yes, but more importantly, it's her star power and her charm always shining through i think it takes a big thespian to like pack it up and be in the background a little bit you know support well guys supporting roles are so great and so important and so hard to miss well not hard to mess up because you'd be getting people that mess up but she can do it the fact that she can do any type of thing makes me so proud of her as a fan so proud of her as a person that admires her work. Which brings us to our last movie. Set It Off was made in 1996. This movie was directed by F. Gary Gray and written by Takashi Buford and Kate Lanier. Iconic film. Iconic robbery film, iconic criminal movie. Who hasn't seen Set It Off? Our queen, Latifah, portrays the wonderful, hilarious, super fine Cleo. Now, forget that this movie is iconic. It's in the history books. Forget that it has high stakes and forget that it is heartbreaking. Like, I could talk about this film for maybe a good 30 minutes, but we have an agenda here and we are running out of the set time that I set for an episode. We're looking at Cleo here. And Cleo, she, unfortunately, she doesn't get the full romantic arc that other characters like her buddy Stoney, who is played by Jada Pinkett Smith, she, she doesn't get that. But we are blessed with a short peak into Cleo's relationship with her girlfriend, a woman named Ursula, who is played by Samantha McLachlan. Lachlan? Lachlan. I'm so sorry. Again, it's worth noting, this is a small, small part of the movie. Almost like a blink if you are not really paying attention to it. But it deserves a mention for a very good reason. Now, Cleo... She's a hardcore mask representing lesbian with a, a kind of aggressive streak. And this is 
told to us really through her history she's i think the only member of the group with a criminal record also the way she talks and, and the way she moves like we we just have to imagine that this is who she is as a person she's you know how every crime movie that has this one guy in the group that's probably gonna get themselves killed because they're acting hot-headed all the time like like james khan in the first godfather rest in peace legend <laughs> but that's who she represents i think in in this group i think that everyone in the friend group represents a different type of person in these robbery movies and if that's the case i think cleo portrays her role to the core and she she does it really well and in the midst of all of her hot-headedness she is giving us a cute sapphic relationship you know everyone around her can catch cleo's attitude they can catch the smoke they can catch this roast but she turns into absolute softness for her girl ursula when everyone is planning what they're going to do with the spoils of their first robbery like everyone's listing the problems they have to fix and the the people they're going to take care of my girl cleo she's like i'm gonna spend this money on my girlfriend very very adamant very clear about it and one of the most iconic scenes in this film is when cleo is i think she's sitting on the car hood and ursula is standing over her also on the car hood and if i remember correctly there's a part where cleo seductively licks ursula's leg <laughs> huh. lovers i only watched this movie last year not because of any bad reason i just i said i simply never gotten the chance before to see it it never played where it should play it never even played on like well etv and stuff which is very funny to me or if it did i'd always miss it somehow i never got the chance if i had gotten that chance to watch set it off as a young person it would have been all the confirmation i needed that i like girls because that that scene alone wow what wow this couple offers us so much fruity content without even sounding like token gays in a film you know what i mean there is a lovely article piece that i read while doing research for this about Cleo on this website called The Film Experience. And it was titled Gay Best Friend Cleo, obviously to talk about her. I'll link that article under the tweet where I post the link to the show. Um, I'll try to get it available to all the other lovers that are on Twitter because everyone should read it. I think it's a lovely read and it explores everything that this film got right about like queer representation and some issues they ha may have messed up but overall it speaks on how cleo was a refreshing representation of queer people on screen that expanded upon what you'd typically expect to see especially for the late 90s let me let me rephrase the statement movies tend to do this thing where they Queer could a villain or a 
morally bad person character in a movie but they only stop at the queer coding it doesn't go further than that like you'll find that a lot of queer people label villains as gay icons despite having no verbal or like visual confirmation of this character's sexuality at all really and most times you don't need to be told so like you don't need some studio exec to come out here and be like oh yeah this person right here this this character right here oh they're gay sometimes you get it (laughs) a big and very obvious example of this for me is loki like loki first came onto the scene with the first still film in what 2011 20 i don't remember and i don't want to think about it because it'll make me feel ridiculously old from his onset performance i knew that that man was on the spectrum way before marvel barely mentioned it on his disney plus show why did i know because look at him <laughs> look at that man straight people don't act like that there's there's oh guys there's nothing there's absolutely nothing about him that screams heterosexuality but again it took nearly 10 years for us to hear any actual confirmed evidence of this and it was immediately ruined by the fact that he very clearly wants to fuck his variant which by the way is incest i'm losing my point i'm sorry i'm straying but what i'm basically saying is The wonderful thing about flawed characters like Cleo is that they add to our representation. Like, Cleo isn't a supervillain, but she's no saint either. And it's great that this flawed human being happens to really love her hot girlfriend. Like, we are a versatile people and making us only morally good people when you openly say that we're gay or making us morally the worst people ever when you are very clearly coding us as gay doesn't feel fair it doesn't feel like good representation it's nice to have characters that exist on the morally gray scale and also just happen to be not heterosexual that expands upon our representation way more positively than making us a gay best friend that that clearly wasn't written by someone on the spectrum another thing that's lovely about this relationship is it is treated so normally as normally as any other on-screen relationship in this film like her friends do not bat an eye to this they just they move along with what's happening which is something that may have been so that may be so common right now in our big 2022 but was probably huge and monumental back in 1996. i mean if they really wanted to be monumental i feel like they should have gotten a sex scene on the same level as stoney and keith but i'm sure if that happened hollywood would have crumbled at the seams all i'm saying is it's a missed opportunity as most of us know Queen Latifah is an openly queer woman. And I say openly, but she never really talked about it until very recently. It was always just um support for the community, um, backing the community, but she never she never said the words. 
of which she didn't have to hey because like this thing is very it's not for y'all like you don't you guys heterosexual people don't have to tell you and disclose to you who they sleep with so i feel like with queer people it's the same thing we don't have to tell you anything but again those who knew knew and we've been new we just we moved on you know so for her i imagine that being able to play a role that you personally identify with that also pushes or expands upon the mold of what a black queer person on screen looked like was probably so exciting and it's not the first time in her career this is probably how well how i imagine she viewed um playing bessie smith in the biographical bessie movie that was made in 2015 that earned her critical acclaim by the way you know, the stories of our queer elders, especially people that were big figures in um, music, art, and so on, they unfortunately don't always have a happy ending, given the times in which these people lived. And I'm glad that they're given the chance to be represented accurately in a world that we'd like to believe is more progressive and more supportive. And I hope that Queen Latifah enjoyed playing that role. Like, despite being riddled with tragedy in her personal life, Bessie Smith as a role and also getting the chance to just portray a woman like that, I think that's a big deal. And I think that was, I think that was lovely for her. I mean, I'm sure she loves all her hetero work as well because her hetero work is very great, very convincing, very lovely. And she kills it each time. But Cleo and Ursula, as short-lived as they were, they were so special. They were a moment. Their on-screen intimacy is part of the reason why Cleo's tragic end feels even worse than it actually is. Because as the audience, we, we know that somewhere out there, is her lovely ursula who is now on her own completely alone now without the love of her life who has made such an untimely end all of this is achieved without playing into the major stereotypes of that era like you know how people would depict queer people prior to 2010 actually no prior to 2020 because there's some 2010 movies that are very very questionable but not just that also just how they viewed black people from certain areas because i think if i remember correctly wait the center of set in los angeles i really should have dug deep into this but i but i remember that they came from a disenfranchised neighborhood where they were from so it was very easy to write them as these very aggressive very um lower class black people and run with the stereotypes that follow that and they didn't really they didn't lean into that maybe it's the influence of the directors and writers trying to humanize them but this is evident in other parts of queen latifah's career like she has this ability to take someone written very stereotypically and make them a whole person by the end of the show i think of on the comedic side i think of bring the house down which was made in 2003 which i haven't rewatched 
since I saw it as a kid. And I recently saw it maybe last week or two weeks ago on television. There are so many jokes in that movie that have aged like milk in the sun. Like, uh, you know, I can't even quote anything from it. It's just so, <laughs> it's so bad right now. And her character, Charlene, she, she was a lot. That's, that's the most I can say. Even for comedy purposes, she was really, really, really leaning into those, those stereotypical things. But then the movie goes on and you start to see her beyond her presentation. Like she's still this chick from the hood. Oof, I even hate saying that as a statement. But as the movie goes on, like it, it's shown and it's very clear that she is a person. She is a real full rounded person. Her problems are quite possible in the current American justice system and how and how her case is handled is very possible right now. And maybe it's be it's the power of being a producer on these movies. Because, you know, our queen, very versatile. She also produces half of the things that she's in. Maybe that's the thing that allows her to rework characters and make them full people. Maybe it's just all her work as a thespian. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I appreciate the existence of these characters and what they've added to the overall idea behind what black women are and what they can be. And... Even with little short-lived roles like Cleo, even with short-lived relationships like Cleo and Ursula, that is the impact that Queen Atifa has had on the industry. She has rewritten the idea of black women in romantic relationships simply by bringing herself to each character. And I love that about her. We've reached the end of the show. What's up? <laughs> um, normally, spotlight series don't have a likes and dislikes section because I feel like it. Each segment of each movie that I get into basically ties both, well, not both, all three segments really of the movie analysis into one piece and if i had to go forth and then on top of that make a likes and dislikes section then we'd be here for two hours and i don't want to do that i don't want to do that to y'all i don't want to do that to me i i i'm suffering from hearing my voice for longer than 30 minutes so imagine i do however like to end off with a little competition a little who's your fave battle because I feel like there's nothing a little, there's nothing more fun than having a little competition between our faves. Also to see what you lovers think about the movies or the couples that we have selected for these shows. And luckily for you lovers, by the nature of this special, we've already provided you with plenty of background information on our contenders today. On the playing field for your affections on this Who's Your Fave battle, we have a three-way match between Georgia and Sean from Last Holiday, Francine and Cab from Brown Sugar, 
and Cleo and Ursula from Set It Off. Tough choice, really, really tough choice. Normally, I would have ranked my faves in the middle of the analysis just to like let you guys know where I stand on each couple. But I must confess, I cannot choose. I can't. I so difficult. Personally, in my heart of hearts, in my little queer heart, I know that Cleo and Ursula rocked my world and they should get the top the top position. But it was a bit too short-lived for me. I like I like my favorite couples a little bit, you know, alive. <laughs> so part of me is leaning really heavily towards Georgia and Sean only because I can't think of anything more romantic than opening up my dream restaurant with a chef I admire while the love of my life is by my side. Like that, that's goals right there. Nothing sounds better. But I've spoken my piece. I've said way too much. It's no longer about what I think. It no longer matters what I think about these people. It is up to you and you and you and you and you and you and you lovers to put your faith behind a couple and vote on our polls. We have a Twitter poll up on our Twitter account at StarringCupid that runs until our next episode releases. We have a temporary Instagram poll at Zamatishes for all you visual learners that want to see our couple's live jive. Make your voice heard, make your opinions heard, back your faves in this who's your fave battle. Otherwise, thank you so much for joining us today, lovers. Um, If you're close to me or you've ever had access to my thoughts, you'll know how much this woman means to me. She, (sighs) Queen Latifah, is everything and more. I long to be as graceful, charming, and gorgeous as she is. If you need any proof of all of these things, please watch her Hot Ones episode on first we feast she is ah guys she's so lovely oh my goodness a moment of appreciation to her hairstylist people on twitter talk about this all the time and i'm not different i'm in awe guys like i've never seen someone never have a bad hair day like it's always on point with this lady and i must give credit where it is due shout outs shout outs anyway I'm so happy that she has given us all this work, but she has, there's no signs of her slowing down. There's still tons of movies and tons of shows and much more in store for her still. And I will sit here every day, patiently waiting, quietly supporting her through it all. I mean, I'm also praying each day for another cute queer rom-com out of her especially now that she's at this age like we don't get a lot of queer rom-coms with people above the age of 25 and i feel like one day it will happen one day my dream will come true and i cannot wait i cannot wait yeah man long live queen latifah um doing the best she can and killing it each time I will stand by this one monarch and this one monarch alone for the end of my days. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, lovers, for sticking around for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. 
we will be back next week with a different couple of a different kind i promise i will find a sense of routine and order in my life and you guys will get your releases the time that they are due i promise i promise this is me crossing my heart and hoping to live <laughs> i hope everyone is having a very lovely spooky season i i am personally because life is scary <laughs> and yeah i just i simply can't wait to get all the all of these episodes out for you guys to enjoy it's been really difficult to keep the subjects of each episode to myself but yeah i will see you lovers on the flip side bye let's see how we gonna do all oh, the screen is so far away